0: Hello,
1: Centerway Church. I'm Deidre, and we're here to welcome you and give you some information to start off our gathering today. Hi, everyone. I'm Tara. Welcome to all of you joining us. We are so thankful to be gathering with you this morning. If you're on the Sunday Morning Live platform right now, feel free to say hi in the chat as we get started today. Hello to all of you, whether you're gathered in your home or with others for a watch party.
0: Hello also to those watching or listening later on in the week. We're so glad that you're choosing to be with Centerway, and most importantly, spending time to worship today.
1: The information you're about to hear is something that we talk through every week, and our primary reason for that is to help our guests out there joining us. So welcome to all of you that may be joining us for the very first time. We look forward to meeting in person someday, but for now we hope that you feel at home, even online.
0: If there's anything we don't cover in the next couple of minutes, you can also visit our website for additional information. But let's start with the live platform in case you're joining us there you'll find the tabs right on the platform that will allow you to do the following things. You can share your information with us, which we'd love, especially if it's your first visit. You can also take next steps. You can find previous messages, share this message if you'd like. And there's also a tab to give for those of you that call Centerway home and would like to conveniently give that way. You can also ask questions or even request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat.
1: Yeah, if you're watching or listening to this message later on in the week and not on the live platform, you can do many of the things Deidre just mentioned through our website. For anyone out there who has questions, feedback, ideas, or just need prayer, we would love to help and serve you. Please just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Another way to stay connected throughout the week is through the resources we have to help us grow in our spiritual journey. These resources are created to look deeper into the message text, help us apply it, and and to remind us of what we've heard. All the resources are incredible, but I wanna point out three specific ones.
0: We create devotionals for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They go along with the message and can be found on our website um, or sent directly to your inbox. We also have images to put on your phone or your desktop to remind you of the weekly application. Sometimes we just need a little reminder to continue Mm -hmm. applying the scripture to our lives. The last thing I'll mention is for anyone with kids in their home. There's a message just for them, and this friend beside me is typically the one sharing the kids' message. (laughs) My family really loves them. Our Centerway kids get to learn from the same scripture text that we all do, which is really neat for families to be able to discuss it and grow together.
1: There are two main places on our website to find the resources we mentioned as well as others that we didn't, and that is the Messages page and the Next Steps page. The Next Steps page is also where you can sign up to receive the devotionals via email. Now here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Naomi will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. And then right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Now here's Naomi with the text for today.
2: Good morning, Centerway. I'm Naomi, and I'm going to be reading the scripture today. It's from Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret, and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him, and ran about the whole region, and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, and implored him, that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well.
3: Hello and welcome, my name is Claude, and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Really excited that you have the opportunity to be with us as we continue in our series, Unnoticed. Uh, this morning's message is entitled Presence, so Unnoticed Presence. Um, we uh, last week uh, heard about Jesus feeding the 5,000. It might be a story that's familiar to you if you haven't uh, heard that message or if you haven't been with us. But um, the reality is it was a little bit more like fifteen to 20,000 people, including women and children, as I mentioned last week. And uh, today's section of scripture begins right after that event. And so what you just heard read is actually right on the heels of that feeding of the 5,000. Jesus actually tells his disciples, in fact, the Greek implies that he almost made them to leave. He kind of forced them to go and get into a boat. So he tells them, listen, get in a boat and head out towards Bethsaida, and I'll meet you there. I'll dismiss the crowds. So that's kind of what he's telling uh, the disciples. And the disciples get in the boat, as we see in the beginning part of this uh, section of scripture. And they start heading out. Jesus goes to pray. And, uh, of course, after telling the the crowd that they should leave and, um, the thing that is weird or the thing that's missing in my opinion is that's kind of it. Like he tells them to get in the boat, tells them to head off. And then he dismisses the crowd. There's no record of the disciples, like discussing what they just saw. There's no Awareness of the magnitude of what they just witnessed. Like, it's just kind of, we're getting in the boat and now we're headed off. Jesus had just taken five loaves of bread and two fish and fed, arguably, including women and children, nearly 20,000 people. And the scripture passage from last week says that they had 12 baskets of leftovers. <laughs> so even if you think something like, amazing chef skill happened where he's like, well, I got this fish and I cut it up into 10,000 pieces and then I got the other fish and got 10,000. So we have 20,000 tiny little pieces of fish. (laughs) You can't account for the fact that there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Like something miraculous has taken place and everyone's kind of like, okay, we'll see you later, Jesus. (laughs) It's just interesting to me that even after that miracle, The fact that Jesus is the Messiah has gone completely unnoticed by the disciples. How's that even possible? How's it possible to be in the presence of God and still miss it when incredible things like that are happening? How could they miss it? Have you ever witnessed something but missed the significance of it? Like, Ben, right there, you've seen it happen, and yet somehow you can't connect the dots of the implications in your life. It's just like, wow, that was incredible. So anyway, let's go. I kind of pride myself in being observant. There's not a lot of things that I miss entirely, but if I'm honest, from time to time, you know, it happens. It's a human condition. We all miss things at times, and we're even uh, present in the moment, and yet at times miss the significance of that moment, as I mentioned. You know what's interesting is that even when we miss the significance, even when we miss the significance of a moment, we still have a tendency to try to explain things away. When everybody else seems kind of blown away or amazed, we have a reason to kind of rationalize situations that we don't fully understand, especially when it involves something spiritual. We try to to rationalize, as I mentioned, or even normalize, I'll say, something that is clearly supernatural. That must be sort of what's happening in the disciples' hearts and minds right now, is that in some way they're rationalizing or normalizing what they've just witnessed because they're not connecting the dots that he's God. So in some way, they've seen this event, they've witnessed it, they've experienced it, but they don't understand the significance it happens in our society more than we realize even today. It's something that we live with. I've had medical doctors tell me personally that there's no medical explanation for something that's taken place in my body. I've, I've heard it from friends, from family members that have experienced incredible supernatural things and, and doctors have said, well, there's no medical explanation for this. They say things like, you have good genes. Or one of my favorites is uh, when they say, listen, the body is an amazing thing. And you know, (laughs) the body is an amazing thing. But it's amazing how we try to explain away supernatural things. Things that could have profound significance in our lives if we consider that maybe God is at work. But all too often, we just, we want to normalize it. We want to rationalize it. You have good genes. The body is an amazing thing. I've, I've even had people tell me, that emergency responders have no explanation how they have survived an accident or they've been in the midst of, of house fires and, in some way, for an inexplicable uh, moment, they, they somehow awake and get out of the house. And, and nobody has an explanation for how that happens. Oftentimes, we ascribe this to, to luck. You know, I was almost killed in that accident, but must have been lucky. We just want to explain away things that might be supernatural. There's so many things that happen to us without explanation, and yet we try to make sense of it and even explain it away. So here's a question that I have for you today as we move through the text. Why is it so easy to explain away God's supernatural power? Why is it so easy to explain away God's supernatural power? Now, at face value, you might say, well, it's not easy to explain away. Like, you can't just explain it away. And so I I don't mean, why is it easy to just explain it away? I mean, why is it so easy for us to attempt to explain it away? Like, why is it so easy for us to explain it away, the supernatural power of God? And I want to submit to you that it's easier to explain it away than to come to grips with the implications. Let me say that again. I want you to think about that. I want to submit to you, it's easier to explain it away than to come to grips with the implications of God's supernatural power. You see, if we can rationalize, if we can normalize something that seems inexplicable, then we don't have to consider the significance that it may change our lives. We don't have to consider the implications. Like, if we can normalize it in some way, then we don't have to, to consider the implications that maybe something profound has happened, that this might change or redirect the affections of our heart or the intentions of our life or the path that we're on. It's just easier to try to explain it away. You know, if we're, if we're lucky, if we're just lucky, or if we have good genes, or, or if the body's just an amazing thing, then we don't have to grapple with the reality of an all-powerful God and the implications on our everyday life. Get this. It's like we want to miss it. It's as if we want to miss the supernatural. We want to miss that God's at work. And I want to tell you there's two sides to this coin. There's two real reasons why I think we might on some level want to to sort of miss the supernatural and explain it away. The one is that God has changed my life. Like, the fact that there's implications to how I have to live my life now. Because if if God is real, if he is at work, then that means it has to affect my everyday, right? If I've just experienced something of the supernatural power of God, it causes me to reevaluate the affections of my heart, the priorities of my life, the way I spend my money, the way I spend my time, it actually literally has to, in some level, change everything. And so it's easier to say, eh, Maybe something supernatural didn't happen. The other side of that coin is that we have to grapple with if God can do the supernatural, then why doesn't he do the supernatural every time I want him to? (laughs) If God really is at work, if I've experienced the power of God in this area of my life, then why haven't I experienced him in this area? You see, it's just... It's easier to push away from the table. It's easier to say, you know what? I want to explain it away and allow God to go unnoticed in my life. I want to just put him in a box of spirituality and deal with him on whatever level I'm capable or willing to experience. But I don't want it to disrupt my everyday. The fact is, Jesus is very disruptive. And the implications of him at work even unnoticed and rationalized, are huge in our lives. And that's essentially what the disciples are doing right here. They're missing it. And God in the flesh is going unnoticed. Seems impossible. And yet maybe we miss God in little ways and in large ways every day of our lives. Let's pick up their story. In verse 45, it says this. Immediately, he, meaning Jesus, made his disciples to get into the boat And go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd, right? I kind of covered that. I covered that already in the beginning, but the reason I read it is for this. The verse is actually very important in forming a healthy theology. Bear with me. The disciples were in the exact boat that Jesus himself put them in, okay? And then the disciples are on the exact course that he, the Son of God, Jesus, directed them to go on. So they're doing everything right. They're directly in the center of the will of God himself on their path and in that boat. Okay, now listen. Skip ahead to verse 48. says this, And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. They're in the middle of a huge, huge storm. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. Okay, so get this. They're exactly in the center of the will of God. And yet they face an amazing storm. A huge storm. In fact, they're right where they're supposed to be. A storm comes. How can that be? How can it be that God would direct them into a storm? Like they're the disciples. If there was ever an argument for a Christian or a Christ follower, I mean, it's them. Shouldn't they have like everything go right for them? Isn't that the way Christianity works? Is like you give your life to Jesus and then he's like, "Here, go this way." And like, "Yes, I will be in the center of your will." Oh my gosh. The center of your will is amazing! I get everything I want! What? The Christmas tree always has presents under it. There's money always in my pocket. I can't believe this! I have a house, a white picket fence, 1.2 children, a dog! This is amazing! Christianity is the answer to everything! It seems that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like some way we've convoluted Christianity to like some perverted extreme version of the American dream? (laughs) But how do we wrestle with scripture like this, where they're directly in the center of God's will, and yet they face a ginormous storm? And maybe the, the, the size and the magnitude of this storm is lost a little bit, because we sometimes equate difficulty and hardship as missing God, right? Well, here's the deal. The fourth watch, right? It says, That They're in the fourth watch of the night, which is actually uh, Roman timing. And so it's a a way, so we know a specific time frame. It's from 3 a.m. till 6 a.m., all right? We know that the disciples left at a specific time following when typical dinner would be served. Jesus tells them, okay, it's time to leave, and he tells them to get in the boat. So we have a window of time that we know that they've been struggling, and it's somewhere between six and eight hours, There's somewhere between six and eight hours that seasoned fishermen are struggling at the oar. They're struggling with all that they have against this huge storm. This is a legit storm. And yet they're right where Jesus told them to be. That'll mess with your theology. If you don't understand something that Jesus says in John 16, 33. John 16, 33 says this. Jesus says it. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is giving some handles to the people that are following him and some handles to us to say, listen, there's going to be hardship in the world. Difficulty will come. Storms will come. Jesus, nowhere in Scripture says that if you follow me, difficulty will will fall away. That uh, provision will be around every corner. That joy will always come. That yay, life is always fun. No, I mean, almost all of the disciples were martyred. They laid their life down. And so we have to wrestle with this idea that we want things to always go our way, and yet, what is the benefit, if you will? of following Jesus, like if he doesn't make everything easy, then, then why? Why follow him? Jesus says we will have trouble and difficulty. Christianity doesn't equal lives without storms. If you're following Jesus to get, a jail out of, get out of a hell-free card or to get out of a difficulty or to always have provision, then you're following Jesus for the entirely wrong thing. That's not what he promises at all. Saying, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. So as you're in the middle of the difficulties of the storm of life, you won't be alone. That's what Jesus is saying. If you follow him, you'll never be alone that he'll be with you, that he'll walk you through the storm. You see, in our lives, the way that we live, it's like we want to be pulled out of the difficulty. Like, God, can you just parachute in right now? Can you redirect this? Can can you help me avoid the pain? If you have children or if you've ever been a child, you know what it's like to, to see difficulty at a young age and to just look to an adult, to look to a parent, a coach, you name it, and just almost scream out, like, help me avoid the hard. Like, I just I don't want to go through the difficult, and yet a loving coach, a loving parent, a loving adult will look at you and say, "Lean into the hard. Go through this. I'm going to help you through it." That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Christianity is promising is is the idea that you will never be alone, that he's going to walk you through the difficulty of your lives, that there's a mission and a purpose and a plan for your life. Not that provision will always come or that it's always going to be, you know, running through fields of flowers or anything like that, but that through the difficulty and the storms of this world, God has a purpose and a plan and he's walking alongside you through the pain, through the hurt, and through the joy. He's right beside you. Verse 48 should be encouraging. It says this, it says, and he saw, okay? So Jesus is praying, but he saw them in the midst of their difficulty. It's important for us to realize that even in the midst of the storms of our life, God sees us, he sees us. He saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, here we go again, he came to them. The God of heaven is is always going to reach to us. He's always present. He's an ever-present help. And you might sit there and say, yeah, well, keep reading on, Claude. I mean, because it says, if you keep reading, he, walking on the sea, he meant to pass them by. There it is, Claude. Caught you. God just wants to walk right past them in the midst of their pain. <laughs> That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that he wants to literally go past them. In fact, it means very much the opposite. We see two times in the Old Testament that this phrase is used where God passed by someone. Two times. One is in Exodus 33 where he passed by Moses and the other is in 1 Kings 19 where he passed by Elijah. In both occasions, this phrase was used when God was allowing humans to see his glory and his power. So Jesus means to... to to show the disciples his power and his glory. What he means to do is to reveal himself as Emmanuel, God with them. Certainly, they're not going to miss this. I'm going to walk on water in the midst of the storm. I'm going to come to them. I'm going to reveal my power and authority. And how do they respond? Verse 49. But, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. <laughs> I love the humanity of the disciples and I love the unapologetic recording of Mark. He's like, listen, this is the way it went down. They saw Jesus walking on water and, and their response was, ah, it's a ghost. They're terrified. They're literally terrified. Listen, is, is it possible that in the storms of life, God himself is trying to get you to realize that he is present and at work, that he sees your pain and that he's literally moving towards you, that he's present with you in the midst of the difficulty. Listen, that you're not alone. Is he trying to help you to understand that you're not alone? You know, in, um, In Job and Psalm, you may not realize this, but in Job and Psalm, they attribute walking on water to God alone. Water walking, as it were, is a God thing. That's it. You you never hear a reference in scripture at all to any being, to any ghost, to any demonic body or form that would be walking on the water. The only time in the Old Testament where we see a record of someone moving across water. It's attributed to God. And these are a bunch of good Jewish boys in a boat that have grown up listening and reading and studying Psalm and the the Psalms and Job. They're very familiar with this. It should be, oh my gosh, a water walker, that must be God. Like that's the only option. And instead they're terrified and they scream, that must be a ghost, this is a water demon. They're literally missing it. It goes completely unnoticed. It just seems impossible, right? Almost like they want to miss it. Almost like they don't want to consider the implications. Verse 50 says this, For they saw him and were terrified, but immediately, but immediately Jesus rebuked them and told them they were full of sin and hate. <laughs> you no. Know? But immediately he, Jesus, spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. It's an amazing picture of God, right? That God would would lead you and direct you in in the center of God's will, that sometimes there's still a storm. Sometimes life is still hard. And God says in John, listen, take heart. Because the world is sometimes difficult and it's hard, but have peace because I have overcome the world. God is giving us handles and he's he's equipping us to walk through the difficulty. In fact, he's even saying in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain and the difficulty, one, you're not alone. Two, I see you. Three, I'm moving towards you. In fact, I'm getting in close proximity to you. Listen, it's me. Don't be afraid. I'm present. My presence should calm you, is what God is saying. Immediately, do not be afraid. This phrase, do not be afraid, in the original Greek means stop fearing. Stop fearing. So in other words, it's referring to an action in process. So what Jesus is saying in this moment is, you can stop fearing because I'm here. Isn't that incredible? Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you need to to hear like, okay, in the midst of the fear, I can now stop fearing because I'm aware of the presence of God, that I'm not alone. I think I'm alone. I feel that I'm alone, but, but I'm not. Jesus has never left me. He's walking me through this difficulty. He's present. Are you, are we, myself included, too busy being scared? Too busy being angry? Maybe too busy being tired? A six to eight hours of, of rowing. I mean, they're exhausted. They've got to be emotionally beat, physically beat. Are, are we so scared, so angry, maybe so tired to notice that we're in the presence of God? Is God's presence going unnoticed in our lives? Is God's presence going unnoticed in your life today? Verse 51 says this. He got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, utterly astounded, amazed. Now, you might look at that and be like, wow, what an incredible ending. Like, whew, Jesus gets in the boat and they were amazed. They're connecting the dots. They get it. What a great story. Jesus is going to get in your boat. You're going to be amazed. You just wait. I think it's one of the saddest and scariest words in this entire chapter. Astounded. This is why. They were amazed when they should have been filled with faith. Let that sink in. They were amazed instead of filled with faith. Are you amazed by God, but don't know him? Have you seen... God at work? Have you heard the stories? Have you been in worship services? Have you been in church environments? Have you been in proximity to God to the point where you're amazed? But you don't know him. You're missing it. Are you amazed by the redemptive story of Jesus, but you have no faith? Amazed. Are you, are you so concerned with the implications of God himself Living the sinless life that you could not live, and inexplicably loving you so much that he dies the death that you deserve. Are you amazed by that? And yet you're so worried about the implications of your life that you have no faith in it. You're just amazed that Jesus would love you enough to do that. Are you missing the significance of God's presence? Because it happens. It happens all too often in our life that we just want to explain it away so we don't have to wrestle and grapple with the reality of the implications in our life. Like, it just gets too messy. So it's easier to lean back and be like, hmm, that's a God thing. Whew, I'm amazed. It's not going to change the way I live my life. It won't change the way I, you know, deal with my time or my money or or even the talent that I have. I'm just, whew, that is cool. Wow. God can do some stuff. That's amazing. It's scary. Honestly, it's scary. Verse 52 says this for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. It gives a snapshot of why amazed and not filled with faith. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. What the text is saying is they didn't understand what happened in the past. They were they were just amazed. It was just amazement. If they would have looked back, then maybe they would have connected the dots. If they would have taken time, even in the storm, to connect the dots of the things that they know, that maybe God's presence wouldn't have gone unnoticed. Get this, sometimes when we're in the storms of life, we need to look back at God's presence, his faithfulness. And his supernatural power in our lives. We need to look back and see the the narrative, the redemptive story that he's been writing in our lives for years. For years, he's been writing and navigating this love story towards us. He's been pursuing us. But if we don't take time to look back, then we'll just, we'll be consumed by the moment and the storm and the worries of this world. And God will go unnoticed. The presence of God at best will amaze us. You know, it's partly how we can be sure that he's with us now in and through the storms of life is by being willing to look back and see how he was with us in the past. We say every week that the text requires something of us and this week is no different. I I have a challenge for you. The challenge is this. I want to challenge you to tell someone a time you saw God's hand in a situation now that you're looking back. I want you to spend some time to reflect. I want, I want to, you to know, tell someone a time you saw God's hand in a situation now that you're looking back. It does two things, right? It allows you the opportunity to reflect on God's faithfulness in your life where maybe you've minimized it or you've explained it away. You've tried to rationalize or, or just make sense of something instead of considering the implications. So it's for you, but it's also for them because it will build faith in others. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you joined us and you say, I don't know that God's hand has been in in my life. And you've never crossed that line of salvation. You haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. I want to challenge you to consider, to reflect back, to look back and realize that maybe your entire life, you can point to moments where God has been in pursuit of you. Moments that you've been living for yourself, that you've been striving, that you've been steeped in, in just the decisions that are so self-centered. Like if you're just honest and, and we don't know, it's in the quietness of your own heart and mind, but we also know the wickedness of humanity in our own hearts. That you've sat there and wrestled with, listen, life is about me and yet there's been something. There's been something that's been drawing you. I want you to consider that maybe that's been the supernatural move of God that's been running along parallel of your life the whole time. And today is a divine appointment. You can do it in the quietness of whatever room you find yourself in or in the loudness of whatever room you find yourself. You can say, Lord, I want to accept who you are in my life. I want to acknowledge your presence. Would you forgive me of the sin of my life and come and be the Lord and leader? If you've prayed that prayer, and it can be that simple that you just ask Jesus to forgive you and be the Lord and leader of your life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we'd love to talk to you. You can click if you're live with us and request a prayer and you'll go into a a private chat with one of our hosts and we'll walk you through the next steps. If you're listening to this later and not live, you can still go to our website and reach out to us. We'd love to walk alongside you as you consider the implications in your life and the next steps. For others of us this morning, maybe you've already crossed that line of faith. I want to challenge you to do this exercise because of what I've already talked about. Like maybe this is for you, for yourself to look back and say, oh my gosh, God has been with me more than I've ever realized. Look at where he intervened here. Look at the narrative that is my life, this redemptive story that God's writing. Maybe it's for your kids if you have children. Maybe it's for your grandkids, nieces, nephews to sit them down and say, let me tell you about the heritage, the legacy of God's faithfulness in our lives. Let me tell you about what God has done in my life. You know, that's ultimately how my family, my parents came to know the Lord is because of my grandfather's willingness to talk about the legacy of what God had done in his life and challenged my parents to go find a church. That's why I'm standing before you today. You see, that's that's how we create a spiritual legacy. So I wanna challenge you to consider looking back Maybe it's for a friend to just, in the midst of the difficulty of their life, say, "I've actually experienced this, and God saw me through it." I want to walk with you as, as we see God's faithfulness in the midst of this. If you do that, if that's already a regular rhythm of your life, I want to consider you. I want you to. I want you to consider and challenge you that maybe your application, your challenge, is to be missional with this—to sit with someone and have a spiritual conversation about God's faithfulness. Maybe this is a divine appointment that God has given you the ability to sit down with a friend, family member. Whatever it might be, I would just want to partner with you in prayer as you take action on this challenge this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you that you've never left us, that you've never forsaken us, that the moments that that we don't even see or acknowledge your presence. You're working on our behalf, not for us to always avoid the pain, but to, to go through the pain with you, that you haven't left us, Lord. So we're so grateful. We're so thankful for who you are and what you've done. And we declare ourselves available for a continued move of God in and through our lives. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Excited to be with you next week as we continue in the series, Unnoticed. Till next week.
0: Thanks for being with us this morning. We love gathering online with you and growing together. We really want to encourage you to take time to respond to the word this week.
1: That's right. We closed with the application to tell someone a time you saw God's hand in a situation now that you're looking back. It's not only important to share what God is up to in our own lives, but it also serves to remind our souls of God's goodness in our lives, which builds confidence for whatever season you find yourself in right now. God's presence is the prize and the game changer in our lives. Allow the fact that God is with you to move you to worship.
0: One of the ways we get to worship together is through singing, but remember that there are many ways to worship throughout the week. Um, If you're not able to sing with us live, you can find the video on Facebook and you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our unnoticed playlist.
1: For those gathered live on the online platform, we'll see you on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.